Hello everyone, welcome to episode one of the new season. This is season two and I am your humble reader, beta reader number three. Our new book is Ozzy's revisionist take on the Hades and Persephone story called Wind and Rain. And remember, if you like this story, it's available on Amazon.com and at www.osuz504.tech. That's osuz504.tech. Ozzy has a ton of other stuff up there as well, so check out some of its other works. And um, quick note, this is beta reader number one's favorite book, so, of Ozzy's, not like in general, but of Ozzy's. So, uh, anyway, today we'll be doing Wind and Rain. This is episode one. Let us begin. Prologue. Her hands reached out to him from the bottom of the river. Eyes were wide, white showing, green gold irises swallowed up with black pupils. She was trying to scream, but her voice was silent in the water as her mother held her down, bubbles warping her face in white water as she struggled. Stop! I grabbed Ankh hard, trying to yank her away from her daughter, trying not to hurt either of them, but seeing Phoebe's terrified face ripple under the water. But the woman was a leviathan, an earth mage, and rooted too deeply to budge without me using magic. Please stop, Ankh! She didn't. Her face was peaceful, relaxed, creamy bronze skin touched with just a hint of pink. Her long golden brown hair waved out soothingly at odds with the terror her hands were causing. She made an infuriating tisking sound and shrugged me off. You heard her silence. If she truly loves you, she'll come back to you. And if you can keep her for four months in this cold hell, I'll even let her go. And you can have my blessing. She smiled at her drowning daughter, ignoring me, talking to her. I doubt that will happen, though. A child of the light doesn't need to be trapped down here all alone. You would regret staying here, daughter. I flung a fist of shadows at Phoebe, hoping to catch her in a web to reel her soul back before the waters took her, but they fell to the bottom, empty, and dissipated. Too late. She was gone, reborn in the mortal realm. Ankh, why? I called out in anguish. Why would you take her seriously? Why would you take her away? Ankh brought her hands up from the river leaves and gently wiped them on her dress. She still looked serene, composed. Her dress wasn't mussed. The water disappeared instantly on, leaving the river. Her hair swirled around her gracefully, artfully. Silence. Stop. You know that this is no place for a green mage. She leaned her head back to take in the stone ceilings and the dead air. She'd die here without the sun. This is really for the best. I felt my fist clench and the words felt like they were being pulled from my throat, syllable by syllable. It was not your decision. She wanted to stay. Yes, yes, children want many things. You're a sweet boy, silence, as far as your kind goes, but I don't want my daughter marrying you. She paused, taking in the souls of the damned around her, the lost ones, the ones he felt he could help heal and give some peace to. Or this place, she shuddered. These souls belong living, not bound here in the dark and in the cold. Ankh, you don't understand. Some of them just need peace. Phoebe and me, we were giving them rest. That's nonsense, she said dismissively, flicking him and his hopes away like lint. Life is precious. Death is... inconvenient. And this half-soul existence, this bargain you offer, is an abomination. She considered him for a moment. Why are you so obsessed with making them anything? I could restore them all, bring them all back. I could have tried to explain. I could have tried to show her that life, existence, hurts some people, that betrayal and sin and loss scarred them inside and out, and that giving them a second chance to learn, to see themselves without the burden of life, was actually worth it. 
I could have tried to explain to her that the same despair and aching pain I felt in them were shared by Hyperion, Hullum, all of them, ripped apart by their own powers and sitting beneath our feet right now, safe, still, protected. But I couldn't. No one had ever understood except for Phoebe. Thunder and Ocean had only wanted to destroy them all, let the void eat them. Phoebe was the one who had felt what I felt, who wanted to help me save them, build something, protect something. Phoebe was the only one. How could you take her away, I said again, more softly, feeling devastation eating a hole in me already, one that would never go away. Why couldn't you have just let us be happy? Was it so much to just let us be with each other, just for a little while longer? I stared at my hands, feeling the monumental nature of the task crushing me, alone, always alone. I can't do this by myself. Ankh shrugged. Then don't. Come back to the surface and find her. I stared at the plane, with all the wandering ghosts, and at the gate, where my best friend was trapped, all done with my magic. Myself and Phoebe, my soul wrapped up here. I, I can't. And I felt the words choking me. I can't leave. She gave me a disgustingly complacent smile. Well then, you obviously don't love her enough. I'll keep her safe. Enough. Don't worry. Silence. Stay here. Play with your ghosts and your binding spells and pretend to accomplish something. My daughter will live. Her expression wavered into contempt just for a moment. And let us be clear about something. If you come for me, Shadow Mage, I will bury you. Make no mistake, I will consume your magic and your flesh and make you beg for death before the end. I had no response. She opened a rift, stepping through the shimmering veil into another realm, leaving me in the dark cavern, staring at the river and listening to the sound of my own broken breathing. I went to my knees at the bank, dipped my hands into the water as if I could hold her through it, thought about drinking it, about being reborn into a mortal body, thought about leaving magic and painful memories behind. It would be so easy to just disappear. I brought the waters close. Master! Master! Hush, idiot! Strained whispers at the door and the sound of bodies moving around in the dark. He just got to sleep. Don't bother him with this. But there are... I will take care of it in a moment. Please leave. Give him some peace just for a while. He... I opened my eyes and the loss washed over me again. She was gone. I moaned. I didn't mean for it to come out, but like a dying thing, it crawled out of my vocal cords and sat on the empty bed where she should be. I curled up around the ripping sensation that was back in my chest, that never left. There was a sound of curtains opening, and something heavy sat on the bed next to me, stroking my hair comfortingly after a moment. Master, I've set out Thanatos and some of the others. They'll find her. She's clever and stubborn. I'm sure she'll show up just one day, sitting in the garden, complaining about the cold. The last was said with forced levity that grated on my ears. I'll never laugh again. There's no point. Nothing worth it anymore. Judas, I said, tripping over rusted vocal cords and a wall of grief that seemed to be smothering me. She's never coming home. I can't find her. Ankh made sure of that. I coughed, shoving my feelings away and bracing myself up on the bed, wishing I could just die. Strip out all these needs and hopes and just die. Ironic for a deaf mage. It's going to be like this forever, I thought. This feeling of emptiness. It lived in me now. And it freezes. I... I need to get up. Can you help me? I reached out an arm for my hellhound, and he obligingly slipped a shoulder under me. 
Muscles creaked with disuse and sadness in the pitch blackness of my bedroom. I have to get out of here, Judas. I agree, Master. A change would be good for you. He levered me out of bed to help me pull on clothes. So would a bath. I could hear gentle good humor and kindness in him. You are very aromatic today, my lord. I'm sorry. I stood for a moment, adjusting to being vertical, feeling Judas's calming arms around me, under me, holding me up. I closed my eyes. I'm going to dismantle this place and rebuild it. Very good, master. I will help. I'm going to take a new body. This one remembers her too well. Very good. I took my first few stumbling steps towards the door. Call Hurricane, if you would. No one does demolition work like her. Of course, master. And Judas? Sir? Get rid of everything she's touched in this house. Very good, my lord. I'll make sure of it. Many, many lifetimes later. Chapter 1 Chloe Zucas glared at the car in front of her. It didn't move. She glared at it harder. It, shockingly, did not seem to care. She rested her head on her elbow, perched on the corner of the driver's side window. A commercial blared on the radio, the same one that had been playing every five fucking minutes since she started her drive home. She jabbed her thumb into the power switch, taking relief in the blessed silence, and went back to glaring at the car in front of her. Its taillights blinked off momentarily, and she felt a surge of hope as they crawled forward slowly. She even rested her hand optimistically on the gear shift, thinking that maybe this time she might get to second. She did not. Lights popped on again, and traffic was at a standstill, again, on the freeway. Another accident. She groaned, twisting her wrist so that she could see her watch. Seven o'clock. She'd gotten off work at five. Two hours of this fucking mess. She ground her teeth in frustration and wished she didn't have to wear her army greens to work. It must have been a hundred degrees today in the shade and a million percent humidity. You'd never believe it's October, for Christ's sakes. The sweat stains and wrinkles would be permanently encased in the cloth, and she'd have to have them dry-cleaned and starched, which just pissed her off even more. That, on top of the conversation she'd just had with her boss, and the confined time to stew, had her stomach in knots and her head ready to explode. Zucas, come on. We both know that this isn't the right time for you to take a more active leadership role in the command. He smiled at her, extremely patronizing, and she'd felt a strong urge to have a screaming fit in his office right then and there. And there are those rumors about you and some of the non-commissioned officers. She couldn't help herself. That's bullshit, and you know it, sir. McClellan is just trying to pull this promotion out from under me. You know he's been gunning for command of the Wounded Warrior special detail for forever. She paused, letting as much conviction without emotion into her voice as possible, since men immediately assumed a woman showing emotion was hysterical and lost confidence in them. She took a deep, calming breath. Sir, you know what's going on. I'm ready for this. I've been running Walter Reed for two years since the colonel had to go out on medical. I'm a surgeon. I'm literally the best qualified for the job. Please don't let politics get in the way of me getting this opportunity. Yes, yes, he said a little testily. We know you look good on paper. We're just not sure that it's the right time to put you in such a... Hmm, what's the right word? Visual position. And McClellan is right. You spend far too much time with your subordinates. Be careful, Major. I've seen many officers go down for fraternization. I don't want you to be one of them. Sir, that's enough. Dismissed. Even now, the thought of the pencil-necked jackass McClellan spreading rumors about her sleeping around made her heart change rhythm in her chest from sheer, unadulterated rage. Maybe I'll get lucky and die of a heart attack, she thought darkly, letting the car jerk forward another ten feet. At this point, it'd probably be a blessing. 
Her insides felt all hollowed out, all those years getting beaten up, shot at, working late nights, competing with the boys, and two words from a well-connected rich kid could send her career to the toilet. So pointless, all of it. The rage all disappeared suddenly, and all she felt was tired and depressed. Tired and depressed until a screech of metal from the train bridge over the freeway caught her attention. She had a moment of panic as she saw the passenger car leap off the tracks and plunge towards her. A moment to think, no, and a soundless scream opened up something in her head before the world lit up in lightning and a crack of thunder smashed her consciousness into oblivion. Something was burning her face. It was too hot. Something bitter and metallic was running down her throat, and it made her cough and heave up as she vomited into nothingness. Hands held her down and shoved something into her throat. She blinked and tried to clear her eyes, but the lights were too bright. Everything was too hot. She tried to move, but her arms and legs felt leaden and broken and wouldn't respond to her commands. Her spine felt like it had turned to molten metal. There was only light. A shadow moved in front of her, comfortingly cool and dark, reaching for her. She tried to reach back, but her hands wouldn't move. Her eyes closed. She had a flash, a moment of feeling like she was riding, blazing through a whirlwind on a black horse. Free, she thought, reveling in the sensation, feeling her hands tighten in Ed's mane. But wait, horses can't fly. That's ridiculous. She tried to open her eyes again, only to see the horse plunge back into what had to be an ocean, midnight black, deeper than night. She tried to scream, but only felt water rush down her throat as the force of the waves knocked her unconscious again. When she woke up, it was in darkness. Cool, blessed darkness. She tried to reach up to touch her head, only to feel that someone had covered her eyes and that there seemed to be something soft and soothing strapped to her forehead. She pulled it away and blinked at the sudden rush of coolness on her cheeks. She was lying on a couch, staring up at pretty, flickering red-gold lights that seemed to hang from nothingness and shift with the currents of air in the room. It was bright, warm light and showed off hundreds of books lining tall shelves of several stories, with a beautiful stained-glass window vaulting dome-like over the library. She couldn't make out the depiction very well, but it seemed to be galaxies or stars, stylized in vibrant, living colors that shifted with the fairy lights in hypnotic, organic patterns. She could hear faint movement behind and above her, scratching like from writing, and the sibilant shifting of someone opening books and moving things on a desk. She tried to turn her head and couldn't move. She opened her mouth to say something and couldn't talk. Little panic bugs started to gnaw at her. Please be still. One moment, please, said a feminine voice from the same place she could hear the writing. I'm glad you're awake, but I would like to finish up something. It was deep and soothing, like a bell wrapped in silk. Almost sad, which seemed to be a strange thought for a woman tied up in someone's library, she thought scathingly. I'm so sorry my kidnapper is having a rough day. Maybe she needs a hug? There now, the stranger said from behind Chloe's head. All done. Welcome home, Spring. Chloe felt an odd pressure, then a release from her skull, as if someone had taken off something very heavy from her shoulders. She sighed in relief and swung herself into a sitting position, facing the desk behind her. She was dark. That was Chloe's first thought. Shadows surrounded her, flit through her, followed her like living things. Like she's sitting in the shade, even though it's inside. She wore a dark dress shirt, unbuttoned a few inches, her sleeves rolled up at precise angles, with her suit jacket conscientiously hung behind her. 
Her desk was disturbingly organized, everything properly arranged and filed. As Chloe watched, a tiny, silent, floating creature seemingly made of nothing more than air and shadow seemed to appear at the woman's elbow and collect what she'd obviously been working on, disappearing back into the nothingness. The woman herself didn't react to the shadow, instead steepled her hands in front of her face and focused entirely on Chloe. Disconcertingly focused. The other woman's skin was shockingly pale, and she was just as shockingly beautiful. Chloe felt her guts twist just a little seeing her. Scary, was her first thought. Everything about the woman seemed carved from stone. Her expression was so cold. Intense black eyes, pupilless, stared at her, unblinking. Tendrils of wild indigo black hair, long enough to touch the floor, hung loose around that agonizingly beautiful face. Those tendrils twitched and wrapped around nearby objects as if they were living things. Upset living things that could defy the laws of physics. Chloe felt herself swallow reflexively. A jet-black hound with luxuriously soft-looking fur laid next to her desk, within padding distance, while its twin laid next to Chloe's feet. Finally breaking away from the strange woman's gaze, Chloe noticed the dog next to her. She'd never been a fan of dogs and tried to move her feet away from it without it being too obvious, but the dog raised its head to give her a disbelieving look, and she felt dumb. "'Welcome home. We've been waiting for you,' said the stranger." Judas says that you opened a celestial gate in the middle of our garden. Is there a reason you didn't want to use the front door? Chloe could almost hear the ghost of a smile in the comment. You could have knocked. The voice was gentle, almost ironic, almost as if the stranger was teasing her. Chloe shot a quick glance to the almost artificially beautiful face, but she couldn't see anything in her expression other than the cold. God, what an arrogant twat. Chloe closed her eyes and rubbed her head awkwardly with her hands, irritated just looking at the other woman. I have no idea what you're talking about. I see. How unfortunate. There was almost a sigh of disappointment, but again, a quick glance at the stranger revealed nothing. The strange woman rose and knelt in front of Chloe, keeping those odd black eyes fixed on her the entire time. She reached up to hold Chloe's face in her hands, pulling her in close. Do you not remember me at all? Not even a hint? Chloe could feel her skin tingling where the woman touched her, burning as if acid was eating at her. She jerked away. The stranger's irises were gold now, as if tiny fires were lit inside a void. It was disquieting and unnatural. They were also intense enough that she forgot the question. The lady seemed to be familiar with her effect on people and patiently repeated, Do you remember me? A flash of something. Chloe. It was her. She could recognize herself, clinging to a man with armor. Ancient-looking armor. The metal cut at her skin, but felt strangely warm, almost comforting. They were riding too fast, on a horse that flew, but that was impossible. She could feel the man laughing, and the sound lit her up, made her happy. He urged the horse to go faster, and she held tighter to him as the great thing leapt into nothingness, and she felt nothing but exhilaration. Faster, she heard herself say, with laughter in her voice. Is that the best you can do? Chloe cleared her throat as the whatever it was slipped back into the recesses of her mind. The strange woman was still staring at her, waiting for something, but Chloe didn't understand what. She blinked, and the woman's shoulders seemed to slump just a little. Of course, she said, standing and turning away from Chloe. You do not remember. Chloe didn't bother to respond. It sounded like the stranger was very comfortable dealing with idiots and those not challenged with great intelligence. 
And while that was slightly insulting at this point, Chloe wasn't sure she was capable of doing anything other than making inarticulate caveman noises anyway. Maybe it's for the best. Where am I? Am I dead? She finally asked. Not exactly, said the other woman. Chloe saw her form seem to waver, as if there were three or four different figures all superimposed on the stranger's body suddenly. She rubbed her eyes, but the odd sense of double vision wouldn't go away. She averted her gaze to ease whatever mental pressure was squeezing on her skull, and she also seemed to be having trouble breathing. She gave up trying to look at her and went back to holding her skull with her hands. Not technically, anyway, continued the stranger, almost on a sigh. There was a rustling sound as she moved closer to the fireplace. Her back still to Chloe. Chloe saw her hair lashing furiously and again got the odd impression of two different figures standing in front of her. One, the tall, slender, artificial woman with slumped shoulders. The other, a solid-looking man, but thin and slightly stooped with the same wild long hair moving to its own devices. She heard the hound's collars jingle as they lifted their heads simultaneously, and one got up to follow its master as she turned back to Chloe, putting her own hands on her temples, immediately eliminating the double vision and odd pressure. "'Are you sure I'm not dead?' Chloe asked, feeling dizzy the longer that she looked at her. The shadow woman's lips twitched as if she found the question funny. "'Yes, you're not dead. Not yet, anyway.' "'Oh, good,' Chloe said, a little weakly before frowning. Are you making fun of me? What the hell is going on? The stranger's eyes were again solid black, and Chloe felt an odd pulling in her head. Instinctively, she fought against it, pulling away from the stranger's hands. The stranger seemed amused by something, although her quiet, still expression didn't change. Interesting, she said, and pulled Chloe closer with a calm disregard of her discomfort and obvious attempts to get away from her so that she could stare directly into her eyes again. Very interesting. She blinked releasing her and standing with a fluid, inhuman grace that made Chloe immediately nervous. She motioned to the dog at Chloe's feet. Magdalena, she said, would you please escort the lady to one of our guest rooms? Magdalena immediately rose with a soft clink of her collar and nudged Chloe's thigh imperiously. Chloe didn't move, staring at the dog and the woman, then back at the dog, whose tail was starting to swish irritably. I don't understand what's happening here. Of course you don't, said the beautiful stranger, smiling. Chloe could see her teeth were sharp, almost filed to points, like a shark's mouth, and she felt something cold slide from her guts to her heart. Magdalena, please use your human form for our guest for now. I'm sure it will make her feel more comfortable. Obediently, the dog hauled itself to its hind legs, and with, a gossam and with gossamer threads of purple-black winds, like fine scarves sliding around her, shifted to the form of a lovely young Asian woman dressed in a black suit with flowing black hair reaching down to the floor almost a copy of her master. If you please, madam, she said, master has requested that you retire for the evening. Chloe looked from Magdalena back to the master. Who are you, and what is this place, and what do you want from me? Magdalena frowned, stepping forward, as if to physically punish or restrain Chloe. Bag off, Fluffy. I don't understand what's going on. Just answer me, warned Chloe, taking another step away from the dog. Please be calm, said the stranger in her deep, smooth voice that annoyed Chloe even more, spiking a shot of frustration into her already increasingly terrible headache. This is far too much to discuss right now. No one will harm you. You're a guest here. Her lips twitched again if she thought, as if she thought it was funny and trying to subtly share the joke with Chloe. Magdalena will take excellent care of you. Magdalena, you will stay with Miss Zucas from now on. Is that understood? Magdalena bowed. Of course, master. She turned back to face Chloe and raised her arm expectantly. 
Chloe stared back at her uncomprehendingly. What? Magdalena is offering to take any of your belongings and help you to your room, said the suited woman. Do you have any? Of course I don't have any, snapped Chloe. I was busy getting hit by a train until about twenty minutes ago. You know, before you abducted me. I did nothing of the sort. Magdalena, darling, would you also mind talking to Castellane to find Mazuka's some appropriate clothing as well? Very good, master, said the dog with another small bow. Chloe scowled at the scene and gagged a little mentally. Master? Who the hell calls himself master? What is this, feudal Europe? As if sensing her thoughts, the elegant woman turned back to Chloe with one of her small, hidden smiles, this time with no teeth. Welcome to Crossroads. I look forward to talking with you further after you've rested and recovered. She nodded to Magdalena, and Chloe felt the dog girl's strong hands on her shoulders, dragging her up and out of the room. What was that? muttered Chloe as soon as Magdalena had led her out into the hall. Master. Master my butt. Master of infuriating conversations, maybe. Master of irritating injured women, maybe. Master of pretentiousness, more like it. I feel like I was back at school or something. Master is master, said the dog, almost growling, even though she was in human form, sparking an eye roll from Chloe at the obvious comment. Master must be obeyed, and you should not talk of her like that, or to her like you did. Shouldn't I? she asked, trying to tease the dog just a little. I do have a head injury, and I'm very confused, and I think that I'm talking to a dog right now after a disturbingly beautiful woman with shark teeth laughed at me and I got hit with something hard. Maybe I'm just hallucinating. Magdalena stopped and scowled at her. Mistress should not believe that she is hallucinating. Mistress is safe and fine. Master has made arrangements for her. She will be fed and have a nice bed. Magdalena wrinkled her nose in distaste before adding, but she must have a bath. Master prefers that all the household bathe, and Master must be obeyed. Indeed, said Chloe, trying to not find the whole thing funny, and hurt the dog's feelings. Bathing is a great sacrifice for Master. Yes, said Magdalena, on a sigh. But Master must be obeyed, and she gives more pets when we are clean, so there is that. It made Chloe smile. Magdalena led her through corridor after corridor, all confusingly similar. Warm wood, books, candles everywhere. Floating carpets that whispered as they passed by, figures and shapes that seemed to disappear into shadows and walls as soon as Magdalena stepped into the hallway, again with that odd, transparent, purple-black shimmer like scarves on the wind. Doors closed, and Chloe felt looks following them throughout the building. Magdalena, can I call you Maggie? Magdalena is too much of a mouthful for me today. Where are all the people? Why is everyone avoiding us? The dog girl stopped. Maggie? But my name is Magdalena. Master gave me that name. It's a good name. Chloe sighed, wilting a little. Her head was killing her, and if she had to walk through another round of corridors, she'd just pull over a carpet and fall asleep in the hallway. Maggie, please. I'm very tired. If we're going to get to know each other, can you just let me call you Maggie or Meg? Dog girl paused, considering. Chloe found a wall to lean against, feeling her skin flashing hot and cold in dizziness. Maggie. Meg. Yes. Yes, those are good names, too. Magdalena was a gift from the master. Maggie is a gift from the mistress. Good girl, said Chloe. Now, Maggie, mistress feels terrible. Can we please get there already? Oh, of course. Mistress should have said something. With a flash of purple, Maggie shifted into a giant version of her dog self and shouldered under Chloe, letting her fall on top of the black soft fur as Maggie carried her into her room, depositing her gently on the bed and pulling the blanket over her with big white teeth. My, what big teeth you have, Maggie, said Chloe sleepily. Mistress? 
Never mind. Sleepy time now. Mistress has had a long day. Chloe felt the dog girl lay down next to her in her small form, warm and soft, and immediately felt better, safe, relaxed, asleep. Mistress. 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 Chloe came awake with dog breath in her face. Maggie was leaning into her, panting, licking her face in between mistresses. Go away, Maggie. I'm still sleepy. Chloe flopped over to her other side, trying to hide her face in a pillow. A black, cold, wet nose shoved its way under, and dog breath again wafted over Chloe. Mistress. Mistress, it's time to get up. Mistress will miss breakfast if she sleeps longer. Breakfast? said Chloe, pulling her head out from beneath the pillow. Breakfast, said Maggie. Maggie is also hungry, and she can't eat until Mistress eats. Chloe saw her tail wagging hopefully. Maggie stays with the mistress now. Chloe immediately felt guilty and insane, talking to a shape-shifting dog at dawn. Although, she glanced at the walls. There were no windows. The room was still shrouded in Stygian darkness. What time is it, Maggie? She'd slept with her shoes on, and the sheets were now gross. Or it should have been. She glanced down to see she was barefoot. Clean. Her mouth felt like something died in it, though. I guess they couldn't magic that away from me, she thought with perverse good humor. Though her head did feel better, and the strange push-pull pressure from yesterday seemed less. Breakfast, breakfast, breakfast time, said Maggie, Maggie cheerfully as she leaped off the bed and made small circles of happiness with her tail wagging. Hurry, 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 mistress. We will miss the best bits if we're late. Yeah, 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 I'm coming. How can you tell time in this hole, said Chloe, trying to finger comb her hair into something presentable and not feel grotesque and disgusting. She glanced down to see that someone had stripped her uniform and left her in her underclothes. Another glance to the chair next to the bed showed that that same someone had presumably laid out comfortable jeans and a t-shirt with soft moccasin-like slippers and new underwear. She stopped, feeling a vision of unease and violation. Maggie, what is Crossroads? Where are we? Hmm? Maggie sat, cocking her head to one, one side and wagged her tail. The place between all worlds, the Crossroads. Maggie yipped and wagged her tail harder. Breakfast. Breakfast now, mistress. But I thought I wasn't dead. Mistress isn't dead. Mistress is hungry, though. She barked again and paced towards the door. Please hurry, mistress. Master, said Maggie, deferentially at the door to the library. The spring lady is here for you, as you requested. Thank you, Magdalena, said the woman. Chloe stopped, stepped into the room, frowning at the dog girl's submission. Why do you make your employees call you that, she said testily. So ridiculous. What are you, some kind of royalty? She stopped in mid-sentence. The woman was just as intimidating as she remembered. Again, in a black suit, this time her sleeves were down, and she was wearing an expensive-looking, exquisitely fitted jacket, heeled boots, and black gloves. The black-on-black made her face look icy pale in comparison, and Chloe shivered a little. It's so cold. She imagined she could feel ice crawling up the closest wall to where she was standing. But I am royalty, Chloe. You know that, said the suit. Sit down, she continued, motioning to the chair across from her. I have a proposition for you. Chloe sat and felt like a slob in her t-shirt and jeans. It had seemed so comfortable for exploring the castle this morning, she thought regretfully. Maybe I should have requested something formal? Nah, she thought, considering the tight-fitting clothes of her companion. That just looks uncomfortable. The master remained standing in front of her, hair whipping wildly around her as if it was excited about something. Your hair seems a little excitable today, said Chloe cheekily. Did you forget to feed it or something? 
my hair? For the first time, the tiniest expression of surprise slid across the master's face. Ah. A trace of a smile came and went. So it is. No, it hasn't been fed today. Are you offering? Chloe's amusement vanished. Offering what? To feed it. Chloe's face went still. Your hair eats things? Of course, doesn't yours? Absolutely not. Another whisper-thin smile came and went. Ah, such a shame, then. A lock reached out to touch Chloe's cheek. It stung, and she could feel a single drop of blood welling on her skin, blood that the hair sucked up instantly. The ice woman let out a little breathless sigh of appreciation. Delicious, like sunshine and flowers. Please don't eat me, said Chloe, mostly serious. I was hoping for today to be a good day. And so it will be. The ice woman's hair retreated, and this time a real smile stayed on her face for Chloe to see. As I said, I have a proposition for you. Please, said Chloe, making an invitation a little wave. I'm all ears. Anything that doesn't kill me today is likely to be a positive in my book. The master's smile disappeared, and her face again settled into her usual, seriously intent expression. I find myself unable to fill two important roles in my household, she started. I need a physician and a librarian, among other things. Her hair suddenly stilled, as if it was sad. Chloe had the impression that she, could, that she should just stop paying attention to the ice queen's face and pay more attention to the hair to understand her real feelings. Due to the complex nature of my role here, I seem to be unable to keep anyone in those positions for longer than a few days. What happens to them? asked Chloe. The man's master glanced at her. They die, Chloe shivered. The ice woman released her gaze, moving her eyes around the library instead, and Chloe felt herself let out a long breath of relief. Scary. You can see the problem here, Chloe, can't you? Magdalena says that you were a physician in your other life. My other life? What a nice way of putting that, miss. I'm going to abduct you and eat you ice queen. Well, sort of, said Chloe. I was a medical officer for the army. I did train as a surgeon, but I ended up more of a manager, you see, so... She ran out of things to say as the master, master turned back to her. I would like you to set up a treatment facility for my people here. This is a place of rest. I have a responsibility to care for many different souls. Animals, people, demons. Anything that needs rest comes here, and often they're broken. The hair was still, like black, like a black straight waterfall to the floor. I find myself unable to care for some of them myself. I'd like your help with that. Ah, said Chloe, at a small loss for words. And where does the librarian thing come into play? The ice woman shrugged. You'll likely encounter problems and beings you've never seen in human world. My library has a huge number of works written over the ages from every plane of existence on a wide variety of topics. I can sense you have quite a bit of power, but it's unused, untrained, and I'll not be able to help you all the time. Thank God, thought Chloe, imagining being forced to learn anything from this cold fish. I'll definitely take the books. Another faint smile slipped onto the master's face. And it seems you don't want my help anyway, she said, almost sounding amused. Thus, you can manage my library and learn something useful in the setup of the revived House of Healing. What's the alternative? asked Chloe, reasonably enough, she thought. The amusement evaporated from the master. You have to choose, she said. I can't keep you here forever. You'll have to go you'll have to choose to go back to the human realms or go to the void. Chloe shuddered. 
then I want to go home. No. What do you mean, no? You just told me I had to choose, she said, leaping up from her chair. I want to go home. You can't go home. Not for another three months and twenty-seven days, said the master quietly. That was the arrangement. What arrangement? What are you talking about? I want to go home. Pity and sadness seemed to fill the other woman's face. For a moment, all Chloe could think was, she looks so lonely. But the brief expression quickly passed. Three months and twenty-seven days, she said. You are bound here. After that, you can choose your own fate, she sighed. But I don't think you'll like the options much. Explain them to me, then, said Chloe combatively. Quit pulling all this mysterious queen bullshit. Just explain what's happening here. I can't, said the master. I'm so sorry. A lock of hair reached out as if to wrap around Chloe's wrist, and she jerked her hand back. No touching, she told it. The lock of hair slid back to the master. The older woman sighed again. I can't influence your choice, she said. I can only tell you that if you do not choose, I will consume you in three months to twenty-seven days, or you'll be thrown back to the human realms as a mortal. Great, said Chloe. I pick mortal. Please don't pick that one, said the master quietly, with more humility than Chloe had, seen, had so far seen her display. You don't know what you're asking. You're not allowed to influence me, right? That's the rules of this stupid game, so quit saying stuff like that. I can protect you for three months, 27 days, said the master. After that, you can make your choice. Chloe rolled her eyes. Fine. I don't know why we're doing this farce, but sure, I'll build you a little hospital and tend your little books for three months, 27 days, and then I'll go home. Like I asked to. The master's shoulders seemed to slump a little more, and Chloe had the sudden impression she was very, very tired. Her hair hung lank and defeated straight down her back. Very well, was all she said. Hey, since we're going to be friends and all, said Chloe, is there something I can call you other than master? What? said the ice queen, again surprised. What's your name? My name, she said, seeming to reach inside of herself for a moment. No one has asked me that in a very long time. She smiled suddenly. You can just call me master. <laughs> oh no, said Chloe. Absolutely not. Lord is fine. I'm not calling you that either. Suit yourself, said the master, amused again, and Chloe got the feeling she was being used to entertain the master's internal private joke. Please follow me. I'd like to show you your new office. The master led Chloe up a flight of stairs to the second level landing by a wrought iron staircase so narrow, Chloe felt her legs brush the sides of the iron. The landing itself was a smallish open clearing surrounded by book ladders and shelves with a practical well-worn desk in the center, a standing lamp over an overstuffed, comfy-looking desk chair. The master pulled out a couple drawers and waved her over. Notebooks, pens, pencils, research materials, and a small key nestled in the main compartments. Chloe's fingers itched. She loved to write. The master noticed, and her usual mocking little smile appeared on her face before slipping away, back into seriousness. Welcome to the library, she said. Allow me to introduce you to your assistant. Please come out, Anouk, and meet your new mistress. A tiny air sprite, her legs and torso wrapped in flame, with long flame-red hair and ruby translucent hummingbird wings, stuck her head out of the lampshade. Master, she said, staring at Chloe. The spring lady has returned. So she has, said the master, reaching out to cup the tiny fairy in her hands gently. But she doesn't know if she's going to stay yet, she said teasingly with a glance at Chloe. You must convince her. 
Chloe rolled her eyes. Master, said the tiny thing, you haven't asked me for you haven't asked for me in a long, long time. I know, my pet. I'm so sorry. The ice woman offered her thumb to the little fairy, who seized it and took a healthy bite. The master patted her hair as she sucked happily, wiping a little blood off of her face contentedly. There you are. Take care of the lady, please, she said, for my sake. Anouk nodded happily and turned an expectant face to Chloe, who didn't know what to do or say or, or look. Something about watching the fairy chew on the master made her very uncomfortable. Uh, what? I'm not sure I understand what you all are expecting me to do here, and no biting me, missy, she said, shaking a finger at the fairy, who looked at the master in confusion. Ah, dear, I forgot, said the master. Here, Anouk, would you please find me a book on human psychology, contemporary era, any language? Anouk nodded happily and sped off to an upper landing, leaving a trail of fiery sparks. The master watched her go a little way before turning back to Chloe. She's a spirit of knowledge. She can read anything, find anything. All you have to do is ask her for something, and she'll find it for you. The master's face split into a quick, shark-toothed smile. And she'll help you defend yourself against the books, if necessary. Defend myself, said Chloe, alarmed. Defend against what? The master laughed. Someone with as much power as you will wake up every spirit in every book you touch. Some of them resent the alarm clock. It'll be fun. Don't worry. Every time you laugh, bad things happen, observed Chloe doubtfully. And what magic? And why do you keep calling me the spring lady? I can't tell you, Master chuckled. But it will be very amusing to watch. Good luck, she called, heading back down the stairs. I will be taking Magdalena with me for a few hours, but she'll be back to you by evening. What magic, shouted Chloe. What's a spring lady? Look it up, came the unsympathetic answer, floating back to her. You're in a library. Hey, Chloe shouted, moving to the edge of the landing to see a small cloud of sparks surrounding the master's head as Anouk dropped a book in her hands. Hey, don't ignore me! But she did. Chapter 2 Magda, said Idas quietly, is Judas waiting for us? She had to take a deep breath to keep her hands from shaking as she pulled herself away from Phoebe. No, not Phoebe. Chloe. Her name in this body is Chloe. She rolled the name around in her mind. Beautiful, angry, stubborn. Her skin seemed to tingle and she ruthlessly stilled it. She's just as annoying as ever. God, I've missed her. Yes, master, Magda said, changing to human and falling into step with the taller woman as she left Chloe in the library. I let him know as soon as you were done with the lady. Good. Idis took a deep breath, closing her eyes for a moment of rest before feeling the now ever-present drumbeat of urgency start up again in her chest. It's coming, she thought. They're so much stronger this year. It'll be a hard fight this year, she said, as she shoved thoughts of, about Chloe into the dark holes of her heart. Hope was a curse. She felt her hair whipping around her in agitation. She had to think about something else, not Phoebe. Chloe. Her name is Chloe. And she wished it would keep calm. I have things to do, she scolded herself. Things that do not involve errant mages with amnesia or immortal curses. Focus. Yes, Master. Magda looked serious and opened the door to Idis's private study for her as the two swept in. Judas stood at the sound of the door and bowed slightly. Master, he said, taking his seat again as Idis waved him down and motioned for Magda to sit in the other chair. She settled into her desk to look at them both. I have received word from my brothers, she started. 
we'll need to reinforce the binding spells earlier this year. Judas and Magda glanced at each other. They're strengthening that much, said Judas. How? Ida shook her head. I don't know. She settled back into her chair. But I'll need a strong hunt this Salim, and the usual battle will come right after. Judas, I'll leave the management of the realm in your hands. You'll have to take care to reinforce the shields early and often. And if the worst happens... Ida stopped. Well, do your best. That's all I can say. You and I will walk the roads together to lay the groundwork for Salim Knight. It's the best we can do. Of course, Lord. Magda. Master, I need new armor. Magda dropped her head. Of course. I need you to travel to Phaestos and put in a request. You'll need time to remake a full kit for me and Thanatos. Idas leaned back, letting her hands fall into her lap, and tried to make very, very sure her face was a serene mask and not the seething mass of hope, anticipation, worry, and fear that was chewing at her guts. I will need a spear as well, and take this. She undid the clasp of the stand holding her shield and handed it to Magda. It was huge, well over six feet long and heavy. Magdalena staggered a little, standing quickly to balance the weight. It will need reinforcing, and a new blessing. Same for the spear and armor. What blessing would you like, Master? Idas closed her eyes. It doesn't matter. It should be hers, she thought bitterly, though she doesn't remember me. Year after year, I, bar I borrow other gods' happiness while my own dies. She shook off the thought. Hurricane offered last year. Perhaps she'll be good enough to do it again. She glanced at Judas. We'll need to prepare for Elfsinian and the hunt. He nodded. Make sure orders, food, rooms are ready. Invites will need to go out this week, as well as readying the gates, she said, looking up the window into the Milky Way, the closest she could come to sunlight now. You know Ocean will throw a fit about the accommodations, and Thunder will sexually harass the staff like every year. Judas nodded again, and Idas felt a wave of exhaustion. The family is so pointless, she said, regretting the small display of weakness as soon as she said it, seeing the looks of concern on her companions' faces. Judas, I'm relying on you to prepare the palace for the gods' meeting, and Magda, I trust you will start the preparations for the hunt. It'll be a large one. I can use my current bow for that without issue, but I will need the new spear and sword before the binding. Make sure you tell Phaestus that I will need them brought to Alfsinian. Yes, master, both said. Thank you, said Idas, dismissed. Oh, Magdalena, please make sure to check in on the spring queen to ensure that she gets back to her room and fed. She'll probably want a trip to the baths tonight as well. Please arrange it. Idas had already turned back to her books and notes and missed the bow of acquiescence from her hound. Well, thought Chloe, a little overwhelmed. Where do you start setting up a hospital for various demons, devils, ghosts, and monsters? What do you mean you don't know what kinds of creatures are down here? asked Chloe, frustrated. There has to be a set type of species, right? Anouk shook her head. No, mistress. The crossroads is where everything comes. It's a complete plane of existence that intersects every other plane of existence. It's where life and death meet for all realms. The master takes everyone. Chloe found herself grinding her teeth and ordered herself to relax. So they're all dead, then. Why do we need a hospital if they're all dead? Dead? asked Anouk. What's dead? You know... Cease to be, no more, end of life, etc., etc., etc. There's a very funny Monty Python bit about it with a parrot. Anouk flipped her wings to flutter in front of Chloe upside down. Monty Python? What do you mean? 
Nothing ceases to be. Only master can open the void. Is that what you're talking about? Void? What? No. Chloe groaned. Asking you anything is impossible. Anouk pouted and hid in the, lamp hid in the lampshade. Oh, come out, Anouk. I didn't mean it. Chloe stuck her head into the shade. Don't be like that. A small flare of flame answered her as Anouk resolutely sniffed and turned away. Master says I always help her, that I am the best helper. Mistress is mean. No, no, mistress isn't mean. Come on out. Here, can you find me a book on, um, the spring lady? Yes, let's start there. Anouk rotated her head to stare at Chloe backwards. We don't have any books on the spring lady. We have a book on green magic, though. Do you want to try that? Yes, absolutely, said Chloe, relieved to find something Little Fairy could do. I'd take a book on sewer functions if it meant she'd stop giving me the silent treatment. Okay, Anouk said excitedly, throwing off sparks that immediately got in Chloe's eyes and shot out toward the far end of the library. You got it, mistress. One green magic tutorial coming up. Great, thought Chloe, already bored. Magic. Pfft. Starting a hospital. Why not a mental ward? I'm obviously insane. Twenty minutes later, Chloe and Anouk were staring at a leather-bound green magic tutorial that she'd found, in relative frustration. Are you sure you don't know how to open it? asked Chloe for the third time. Anouk hissed in frustration. Master is always able to open the books. I can't. What do you mean you can't? You have to have so much spiritual power to even get these books off the shelves, said Anouk's sing-song. Opening and using them is really hard. You have to have a lot of magic. Well, then we're screwed. I don't have any. Anouk gave her a sidelong look. Mistress, you have tons of magic, as much as the master. What? Anouk nodded. Oh, don't be silly. No, Anouk can smell it. You smell just like sunshine and flowers, all golden, swirly, and hot. Chloe had a sudden memory of the acidic burn of the master's hair and her bloodthirsty smile. You taste like sunshine and flowers. It's delicious. Chloe shivered just a little bit. So creepy. Please, don't ever say those words again, Anouk. The fairy looked at her in surprise. Okay, but Master never complains when I tell her things. Yes, well, I'm obviously not the Master. Anouk crossed her arms and retreated back to the top of the lampshade, making little mocking imitations of her lips. Obviously, she said. Watch it, small fry, said Chloe threateningly, turning her attention back to the book. So how do you do magic, she asked herself quietly. Do you just think about the book opening? She tried. Nothing happened. Maybe if you picture a hand or something coming out of your head to open it, said Anouk helpfully. She tried that too. Nothing. She put both hands on either side of the covers and pulled with all her might. Open up, you goddamn stupid hunk of junk, pig swill, useless water. The covers popped open with a swish. Before she could congratulate herself, a long, twisted vine with sharp thorns suddenly flung itself out of the pages, wrapping itself around her. Anouk! Anouk! Do something! What? What? What do you want me to do? She shouted back, hovering around Chloe, concerned, and beating her tiny fists against the vine. The longer the book stayed open, the bigger the vine got, until Chloe was being held in midair as the translucent tendril reaching out of the book seemed to climb for the ceiling. I don't know, Chloe cried, hitting and kicking at it. The vine didn't seem to care. Ow! Fuck! Anouk, do something! I can't, mistress! I don't know what to do! You have to tell me what to do! Chloe started to gasp, straining against the impossible strength of the plant. It was squeezing the life out of her, raising higher and higher. 
Her feet left the ground. Her lungs felt as though they were being crushed. Her vision started to show black and red spots as she grayed out. Something inside her snapped. I will not die from a fucking hallucination. Not today, asshole. She put both hands on the spectral plant and started to swear at it in deep, guttural tones, pulling curse words from every backwoods army post she'd ever been stuck in, every shithole of a training site, with every scuzzy private she's ever met. She pushed her hands against the thing with each curse word, thinking only about it letting go. You ass-raping, motherfucking piece of... The vine released her and slid back into the book. The pages glowed gold-green for a moment and then faded into nothing more than a simple book. Chloe, on all fours, inhaled sweet, sweet oxygen and gave it a murderous stare for a moment before curling into the fetal position and moaning. At that moment, Magda opened the doors to see Chloe curled up, crying softly, and a nuke fluttering around her, concerned, with a veritable hurricane of thrown books and papers surrounding the two in a 20-foot radius. Did you two have fun? she asked finally. Looks like you were playing a good game. Fuck my life, whispered Chloe. She made Maggie carry her. She was pretty sure she had cracked ribs and some kind of internal bleeding, so she made Magda carry her to the bathhouse. Once she was there and she realized they did not have showers, just a hot spring and a steam house, she made Magda strip her down and bathe her. Magda didn't seem to mind too much, babying her with sweet-smelling soap and even offering to lick her broken ribs. No, said Chloe, no licks. But Mistress said she was hurting. No licking. Be a good girl. Carry me into the hot springs. But Mistress's ribs hurt, not her feet. Mistress is being a wimp, said Chloe imperiously. Mistress is feeling abused because stupid master didn't let her know about killer books and stupid library rules. She just left Mistress with a carnivorous literary beast and now Mistress is sulking. Master wouldn't do that. Master did do that, said Chloe harshly. Master is a big meanie head and should have opened those books for Mistress so that she didn't have to get her guts squeezed out by a psycho rosebush. Was it a rosebush, Mistress? I thought it was a vine. It was a vine, sweetie, but it makes it sound more interesting in the story if I make it a rosebush. Mistress shouldn't lie. Hush, puppy, I'm telling a story, not lying. Give Mistress a head rub while she takes advantage of Master's excellent hot spring. Chloe sighed happily and let the water come up to her chin, content to let Maggie make soothing motions on her skull. Good girl, she said. You have about a million years to stop doing that. Oh, I don't have a million years, Mistress, said Maggie sadly. Master needs me to go on an errand for him before Alcinian and prepare the hunt. Oh, said Chloe absently, not exactly caring, but appreciating the rhythm of conversation as she soaked her bruises. What's Alcinian? It's where all the magi come together to visit and talk about the year and then go battle the leviathans. Leviathans? That sounds nice. It's not, said Maggie, her fingers still in Chloe's hair. The three masters have to do it themselves, and it's really hard, and our master always seems to get more hurt, and she says that this year the leviathans are really strong, so I have to go and get her better weapons to make sure she doesn't die. That last phrase woke Chloe up a little, and she stilled Maggie's fingers to look at her. What? What was the last bit? I can't stay here because I have to get master's new weapons so she doesn't die, said Maggie patiently. I'm sorry, mistress, but I have to leave first thing tomorrow to make it to Phaestros' mountain. He lives there really far away. Way away. Who's Phaestos? Metal mage, said Maggie. He's really nice. Always saves good treats for me. Chloe sank back into the water, releasing Maggie's hand. No good. What's a leviathan? Oh, it's a giant elder elemental. 
The masters keep them bound here at the crossroads, but every year the bindings wear out and they have to go redo it. If they don't, then the elders would just consume everything and we'd all be flung into the nothingness of the void as they ripped each other to pieces. Wonderful, said Chloe, a little breathlessly. Sounds like a hoot. And when is the self-sinian happening? Oh, soon, said Maggie. Judas handles all the hard stuff. He's going to send out the invitations and stuff this week, so maybe with the new moon? I don't know, though. I just have to help Master with her armor. You're a good girl, said Chloe, patting her again, feeling something. Something she wasn't quite comfortable articulating yet. Shame? Worry? Fear? All of the above? She didn't know, but it crawled around her insides for the rest of the night, and she dreamed of giant, faceless monsters ripping off pieces of her as a great, yawning chasm opened beneath. She woke up cranky. Hey! Hey, you! Ice Queen! shouted Chloe, catching a quick view of the master making her way past the great library doors. Chloe kept them open for exactly this reason. She hadn't seen much of the master lately, and the gnawing gut fear that she'd been feeling the last couple of days had been distinctly uncomfortable. So had the information in her recently pacified magic textbook, now as innocent and cooperative as a normal book should be. It irritated her. The master ignored her. She kept walking, not even bothering to turn at Chloe's greeting. Hey! Chloe shouted again, shoving a bookmark into her text and grabbing a blanket. It was always so cold down here she'd taken to dragging a blanket with her wherever she went, since, evidently, she was the only one who ever noticed it. Maggie looked at her like she was a crazy person. She cocked her head to the side, which, even when she was human, made her look like a confused Labrador. You want a jacket? What's a jacket? It's a coat, something warm to wear since it's always so cold, Chloe had said. Maggie looked at the walls of the palace. You are inside. She opened one of the garden doors and made a little there-you-go gesture. Even the gardens are underground. There is no rain or cold. It's always the same. Yes, it's always cold. I want a jacket. Maggie shook her head. I will ask Master, but I don't know what a jacket is. No, Chloe sighed in exasperation. You don't need to ask Master. Master has bigger problems. Would you just mind getting me an old blanket or something? Oh, yes, Maggie brightened. Of course, very wise of Mistress. Master is very preoccupied right now. Don't I know it, muttered Chloe. While the previous invitations to dinner or for walks had been annoying, they had at least been consistent. Every day for dinner, occasional peeks in daily to the library to make sure she wasn't grievously injured. But lately, it had been disturbingly quiet. Maggie's ears picked up. What? Mistress is sulking? I'm sure Master would love... No, no, no. Go away, puppy. Fetch a blanket for Mistress, please. Obviously, the Master was so preoccupied she couldn't even be bothered to pay attention to Chloe right now. Chloe took off at a run down the hallway, following the other woman. How can she walk this fast and look so dignified, thought Chloe moments later as she started to huff and her broken ribs started to complain. Ouch. She looks like she's just floating all graceful as she runs a sub-four mile. She pressed a hand to her side and wished she'd wrapped her ribs properly. The master was on her way to the garden, evidently. Chloe hadn't been there yet, but Maggie had promised to take her. Evidently, it was huge, a giant centerpiece of the palace that spanned several miles. Anouk said that the master spent most of her time there. The walls of the palace abruptly ended, and the vaulted stone of the crossroads took over. The ceiling was so high and so dark, you couldn't see the edge of the cavern itself, but you could feel it around you, heavy, almost oppressive. Chloe had a brief, intense longing for sunlight, a wind, the rain, 
anything but this constant cold darkness. She shook it off. The garden itself was a subterranean paradise. Fungi and growing things with names she didn't know all folded into each other and followed a river lined with stone paths and lit with bioluminescent creatures and fairies all tending white flowers and silver trees with no name. Each lit up with a special color of light and magical energies of thousands of colors flowed around the living things and seemed to drift into the water, making the river itself look more like a rainbow than a dark ribbon of water. The master had paused to visit with some of the fairy gardeners. She was smiling. The sight made Chloe stop a respectful distance away. She hadn't seen the master smile genuinely very often. Mocking, yes. Slightly cruel, yes. Genuinely happy, no. The fairies around her were all, were all cold colors, purple, blue, green, all trailing a fireworks display of iridescent colors as each seemed to compete with each other to tell the master something. Little bubbles of magic popped off them as she listened to each in turn, even holding one in her hand and putting on a serious expression as it seemed to earnestly want her to know something. After a while, they seemed to be content, each one biting a finger and sucking a bit of blood before departing. The sight always made Chloe slightly queasy. It just wasn't right for things to chew on you like that, she thought. You can come out now, Chloe, said the master, a trace of amusement in her voice. The little ones are done chewing on me. Stay out of my head, Ice Queen, she said, but still stepped out onto the path again, coming to sit next to the master, who chuckled appreciatively at her defiance. What do you think of my garden? asked the ice woman as she pulled off her boots and rolled up her pant legs to stick them into the rainbow water. Chloe peered down into the depths, vaguely certain that something terrible would immediately bite them off if she imitated the other woman. She felt a thread of amusement from the master and glared at her, which seemed to amuse her even more. It's beautiful, she said finally, resolutely pulling off her slippers and jamming her jean-clad legs into the water, closing her eyes and waiting for the chomp. Nothing happened. She opened one eye, then the other, starting to relax. Why do you like fairies so much, she asked, swishing her legs back and forth in sensual pleasure at the cold water. They're honest, hard workers, very concerned with beauty, and they have simple problems that are easily solved. The master sighed, resting her head on one hand braced on a thigh and letting her legs switch back and forth as well. It's always nice not to have to work too hard. She flashed a smile at Chloe with just a hint of shark teeth. Unlike some people, they also do what I tell them. The burden of command, said Chloe. Indeed. There was a long moment of silence. Instead of bird calls, there seemed to be an odd music thread threading through the garden. Like light-given voice, thought Chloe. Finally, I haven't seen you around much lately. Did you miss me? Chloe ignored the tease. No, just an observation. Ah, of course. Chloe stole a look at her face. Master was staring out across the garden, eyes very dark, almost seeming to absorb the light of the river and throwing her pale skin into stark contrast. I assume you've heard about the Elfsinian and the hunt. Some... Do you want to talk about it? No. Great. Do you want to send me home? No. Great. You are being an asshole. You know that? Master glanced at her in surprise. Chloe nodded. So even though you can read my mind, you can't figure out that it's kind of a dick move to kidnap someone, beg them to stay, tell them they can't leave, and then tell them there's a strong possibility that you're going to die and take the world with you. Chloe pulled her legs up out of the water and lay back on the grassy bank. This is very rude of you. 
The ice queen's hair lashed around her face before wrapping protectively around her body. Interesting, thought Chloe. I'm sorry you feel that way, the master said finally. Her voice was coldly formal, as if she'd resorted to some professional mask. I'm not allowed to show you anything about your choices. You have to make the choice to stay or leave freely. Uh-huh, but you can keep me locked away here for four months, and that doesn't count as interference? Master's hair seemed to contract around her more tightly. I can protect you for three months, fifteen days, maybe less if the Oxinian goes that badly. She looked up at the vault of blackness above them. If you don't want to stay by then, or if it all falls apart, I'll return you home. You seem real busy here. How about you send me home now? A lock of hair snapped out as if to grab Chloe. She recoiled. It slid back around the master. I need a hospital, preferably before Elfsinian. That's 30 days. She closed her eyes. I can't be the only one able to heal souls in this realm. There have to be others, organized, ready. Do you understand? Chloe found herself staring up into the black eyes of the master. They were intense, hypnotically so. She needs this, thought Chloe in wonder. She needs me that desperately. Yes, she said. For a moment, she was tempted to agree to everything, to give up any hope of going home. Stay forever. Fix it. Please stay with me, Chloe. I'll give you anything you want. Just stay, she said. And the spell was broken. Chloe pushed her away and stood. Bribery does not become you, master, and I'm pretty sure it counts as interference. We can't have you breaking your precious rules. I'll help you for 30 days, then, but I want to go home. She turned back towards the palace, starting the long walk back. Caught by a thought, she turned to look over her shoulder, seeing the other woman staring down into the water, lost. Chloe hurried back to her room. Over the next few weeks, Chloe didn't see Master at all. She conquered another five books on developmental healing magic, because it's something to do, and Judas helped her clean out a wing of the palace to start testing out treatments and remedies. Anouk was handy enough and friendly enough with the garden fairies to get her any ingredients she could want, and the two of them spent most of their time preparing physical remedies and starting to open their doors to whoever wanted to come. Not many showed up. Chloe patted the young demon's head comfortingly. He had sharp tusks jutting through his lip that would have terrified her in another life. His green skin was a healthy emerald color, and he had just gotten a little banged up from an attempted exorcism in the human world. I wasn't doing nothing, ma'am, I promise. Sure you weren't, she said, touching the salve to the burn marks the priest had gotten him with. Why were you even over there with the veil at full strength? He hung his head. I was just checking on someone. I didn't mean to make everyone all nervous and such. She finished, examining her work, pleased to see that the burns were starting to heal even as she watched, glowing golden and swirling with what she knew was her magic signature. Well, there you go. Just wait here with everyone else until your loved one comes to the crossroads. You know they're going to eventually, she said, only half paying attention to him. I just want to check on her, he mumbled. She's not very practical, you know, and besides, the master's too busy to help out now or I'd go to him. Her, you mean. Who? The master. Yeah, that's what I said. Chloe gave up. So the only reason you came here was because the master was too busy for you? Yep. She sighed. Well, thanks for killing my ego, buddy. Let your friends know we've got good products at reasonable prices. Right. Thanks, Spring Queen. What's that Spring Queen stuff? The boy looked nervous. Well, people are saying you're back for good and all. 
What do you mean I'm back for good? He looked even more nervous. You've been gone for a while, and your master's been real lonely, so everyone's saying you're back, and he'll be well again. What's that got to do with spring clean stuff? He looked at her as if she'd grown an extra head. Typically caused by a surplus of spiritual energy combined with a strong earth magic bent when combined with human will. In fey patients, typically the result of a curse or magical effect propagated by shihi magic. She smiled to herself to think how quickly she was picking up this new form of medicine. And how amazingly quickly your perceptions can change. The boy continued. Well, you're the spring queen because you married the master and he can't fight without your blessing because you made a deal with him like a billion years ago or something that you'd always come back or something. He's your husband. How am I supposed to know? None of that is a thing, she said, scowling at him. He shrugged back at her. Sure, and I'm sorry about that then, miss. That's just what people are saying. I'm sure I would remember if I was married to a god and an immortal power in the underworld. My uncle says your mama was pissed when you left and married master without saying nothing, and she tried to dunk you in the river so that you'd forget him. What river? The river, he said, exasperated. The big one. The one through the garden? Nah, man, that's the one for taking souls. There's a big one through the town that goes all the way out to the gates. She sat back, blinking. I'd remember something like that, right? My mother? I didn't know my mother. She probed her memories, finding only a hazy mess of being cold, hungry, and abandoned. She remembered starting school with her foster family at 16, remembered joining the army to pay for college, remembered having a knack for books and learning that made everything easy for her, but no memory of a god-husband or drowning in a river or anything. Weird place, she thought, feeling badly as she realized the kid had left already. Maggie! She called into the big, echoey hall, not knowing exactly where the girl was, but positive she was somewhere close. Master had ordered it, after all. Maggie, I want to go talk to the master. Magda made another little jump, running in her hound form to keep up with Chloe. Chloe didn't care. Where is she, Maggie? I want to see the boss. Master is very busy right now, mistress. Please don't bother her. Chloe flung open the throne room doors. They were empty. She took off towards her study. I've got questions, Maggie, and the Ice Queen is the only one with answers. You really shouldn't call Master nicknames like that. She'll get made fun of by the other mages if her wife is disrespectful. Not her wife, puppy, said Chloe, tearing around another corridor. Her study was empty, too. Maggie, where is she? It's really important, mistress. I know you're upset, but with the hunt coming up in just a few days, she really needs time to prepare, you know? It's a lot of responsibility. Shut up, Maggie. I want to talk to her right now. Chloe took off for the garden, grateful her ribs had finally healed. You can't, Magda wailed at her. Please, she really just wants to be left alone right now. No can do, dog, said Chloe, trying to pick up speed and talk as little as possible. I'm pissed, and she needs to know about it. No, 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 said Maggie, nipping at her heels, desperately interposing herself between Chloe and the garden entrance. She's with her brother right now. You can't, the masters are talking. She's, Chloe vaulted over the dog and ran harder. There, in the master's favorite spot next to the river, someone had set out chairs and a small table. In the far chair, the master seemed to be a little stiff, crossing her legs as her hair spun in wild little whirlwinds above her head. The man in the other chair was immense. He seemed to take up all the room with white gold hair and giant muscles. Chloe saw her master's eyes flick to her, and then flick to the man in the opposing chair, and her hair wrapped around her immediately as she put her forehead into her hands. 
Chloe couldn't be sure, but she thought she heard, oh no, somewhere on the wind. What's wrong, you grim bastard, said the big man loud enough for Chloe to hear. You've got to learn to lighten up a little. He stopped when he saw Chloe, beaming a welcoming smile. Well, hello. It's not like Grumbleguts to keep such pretty women around her. What's your name, little one? Chloe spared him a savage glance. Not interested. She turned back to her master. You, Ice Queen, I want some master's answers now. Thank you very much. I just had the most interesting conversation with one of your subjects. Did you know that? Do you know what he told me? Well, are you reading my mind right now? Because I hope you are. Hair shot from around the master, looping itself around Chloe's mouth like a giant perfume-scented hand, effectively cutting off her comments. She glared at the Ice Queen, making her thoughts very, very clear. The other woman would have to work to read them. Feisty when you got there, ghosty, said the big man, practically rubbing his hands together. I like her. Where'd you find her? Can I have her when you're done? <laughs> and I wondered why you'd taken a female form this go-round. You old dog. Master rolled her eyes and lifted Chloe off her feet with her hair. If you'll excuse me, brother. Magdalena, would you mind entertaining Master Thunder here for a moment? My associate and I need to have a little chat. She brought Chloe in as close as possible to her lips to whip whisper. Don't we, wife? Chloe tried to curse at her, but just got a bigger mouthful of hair. That is the end of episode one. Tune in next week for episode two, everyone.